Welcome to the Achieve Your Goals podcast with Hal Elrod. I'm your host, Nick Polkuski, and you're listening to the show that is guaranteed to help you take your life to the next level faster than you ever thought possible. In each episode, you will learn from someone who has achieved extraordinary goals that most haven't. He is the author of the number one best-selling book, The Miracle Morning, a Hall of Fame business achiever, an international keynote speaker, ultra-marathon runner, and the founder of VIPSuccessCoaching.com, Mr. Hal Elrod. All right, Achieve Your Goals podcast listeners, welcome. This is Hal Elrod, your host, and uh, my good friend John Berghoff is back again. I can't get rid of this guy. I, you know, I don't know what it is. Uh, but one of my good friends and one of the best communicators in the world, uh, the title of today's podcast is uh, potentially, I don't know if this is going to be the title for sure, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share with you what I'm thinking. Uh, better Than Dying, that, that's the tentative working title for today's podcast, Better Than Dying. And you might go, well, what, what does that mean? Well, um, Jerry Seinfeld once addressed that public speaking is the number one fear amongst people. Uh, and death is right behind it. And he joked that that means if you are going to a funeral or if you are at a funeral, you would rather be in the casket than delivering the eulogy, which is kind of a crazy, uh, crazy prospect. But today we're going to talk about speaking your way to success. We're going to talk about the importance of public speaking. And this is a, you know, this is something that whether you dream of being a professional speaker, as I did 15 years ago, you know, that was a dream of mine. Uh, as it was for for my uh, my guest today, John Berghoff. But it, whether you dream of being a public speaker or you just have goals that you want to achieve that involve other human beings, because public speaking and, and developing that skill is really crucial if you want to communicate with anyone, if you want to communicate with anyone, uh, if you want to influence anyone, if you want to be a leader in any way. So, so regardless of what your goals are, what your profession is, Today's episode is really going to be applicable to every single person listening as long as you have a voice and you have other human beings that you interact with uh, in your life. So, JB, are you on the line, my friend? Yeah, I am. I am. Uh, I would rather be speaking than in the casket. Yeah, me too. Yeah, me too. Um, Now, I will just, just so everyone knows, I made John turn off the video portion of our interaction right now so I don't have to... He always distracts me and makes faces at me and, you know, so vice versa. But uh, sorry to disappoint you, John. You can't see me, huh? No, I, I see a still image of you, the, the um, photoshopped one from like 12 years ago. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the one with like my, when I had chin hair, is that the, 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 the one yeah. where I was proud that I could grow a little bit of hair on my chin and I went a little too far and oh, didn't shave it before my photo day. All right. So let, let's dive into the content here. So why is why is this important? Again, it's, it's, there's really three things to me that when it comes to public speaking, um, that skill, if you will, uh, it's about the, the three elements of communication, right? You're developing the skill to effectively communicate from your, your ideas to other people that you want to influence with your ideas. And that's the second element is influence. The ability to influence uh, another human being or a group of people to your way of thinking or to take a, an action that you believe will help them, whether it's buying your product or you're trying to convince your significant other that, you know, hey, you should go to the gym with me or you should go to this uh, marriage seminar with me or whatever. And finally is leadership. That's really the third element of public speaking is 
you don't find a leader out there that's not a good public speaker. It's such, I mean, they really go hand in hand. So I brought John on. John is, he has spoken to hundreds of thousands of people all around the world. Many of you know, I brought John in to help me run the best year ever blueprint event last year. And we're getting ready to run that again uh, this December. And uh, I brought John in because this is his expertise. And uh, John, I'd love to hear your thoughts on on public speaking, why it's important, and, and let's dive into some of your uh, your tactics on how our listeners can develop that skill. Sure, buddy. Well, you, you just, uh, you made the point really well. And Thank so you. at the risk of belaboring it, I, I will add that um, I think the same skills that apply to being effective in front of a thousand people, which you, know, you yourself have done, um, they apply in so many settings. And you made this point. And it's funny, Hal, as you're saying that, I was actually thinking about uh, our conference call that you and I had last night with the hotel, um, <laughs> just to give a little background, right? Isn't that an interesting example? Uh, give it a little might background, be. I, I, everybody. I'll wait and listen, and you, I'll, I'll let you know. Yeah, yeah, I got to <laughs> dig out of this one. So we had a, a bit of a, an issue that came up with the hotel where Hal and I are running a meeting coming up, and uh, it was a little bit contentious because Hal and I made the mistake of planning some grand ideas around our meeting <laughs> and extravagant, creative things we were going to do. We were and so this, proud of these ideas. Yeah, yeah. And the meeting's next week. And Hal and I came to realize that uh, the hotel was unaware of some of our big <laughs> ideas. So anyways, uh, they weren't happy about it. And they were asking us to cancel some of our elaborate, crazy ideas. And so Hal kind of brought me in and said, hey, you teach negotiating. You know, let's call them. And, and here's what's interesting. This is like so many situations in life you know, how you and I thought we were going to call and just talk to one person, right? Yeah. And of course, she totally ups the intensity when we call by saying, well, hold on, if we're going to talk through this, why don't I have my entire team sit here and we'll put it on speakerphone so that I can make sure everyone here is on the same page. And I say that's like a lot of things in life where sometimes we uh, we realize after it's too late how important it is to be prepared. Mm -hmm. um, in, in this case, fortunately, you know, I was prepared enough that I was able to think through ahead of time, what's the psychology of this interaction, right? So this wasn't just a negotiation. It was that. It wasn't just trying to resolve a problem and maintain and strengthen a relationship. But uh, it turned into me needing to give an impromptu speech that I wasn't expecting to a bunch of people that I couldn't even see, which really makes it a lot harder than if you can actually see and get feedback. And the long story short, it was successful, wildly successful. We ended up uh, getting permission to do all these. I mean, they literally went to the headquarters of their hotel chain. It's a well-known chain that everyone here knows. They got waivers to do things they've never done. And I think about it, Hal, and that's just a great example of, uh, it's a great reminder that the principles that we're gonna share right now apply everywhere. So um, I'm happy to share any principles we want to talk about related to public speaking? Well, here's where I'd like to start. You know, there's something that uh, whenever I'm asked by my coaching clients to, you know, to coach them on if they're giving a speech or, you know, a presentation or, or even if they're just, they're talking to their team. Um, I, you know, I, I actually, I, t I teach something that you taught me. I believe you learned it at a, a train the trainer event quite a few years ago. And you came back from that event, just fired up. And, you know, you'd spent four days immersed in learning how to run these interactive experiential events around the world, which you went on to do. Um, 
And uh, but you talked about the importance of context versus content. Most people, when they deliver uh, any kind of communication, they focus on the content. Here's what I want to tell this person, or here's what I want to communicate to this group. And you enlighten me really to the importance of you've got to create an, an effective context. You know, you might call it even a frame for which you're going to deliver the content through, or or for which you're going to create this mindset that they're going to receive the content. Uh, from this place. And so that was a game changer for my preparation and my communication. And, and I've paid it forward and taught it to a lot of clients. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on context versus content and uh, what that's all about. And then how our listeners can, you know, can implement that into their lives. Yeah, happy to. Well, I think there's a few different ways we could talk about this. So um, to start with, you know, you've said it really well that the, the context will determine how somebody receives the content. I had a mentor of mine, Hal, I can't remember, this was a decade ago, who once said to me, she said that the job of a teacher, and I think about this still today when I go teach um, courses at the business school, she says the job of a teacher, the, the number one job is not to teach, but it is to inspire the audience to want to learn. And I never forgot that because her point was that if, if people aren't inspired at the outset of a presentation, um, potentially we never enroll them, we never engage them and we lose them. And so when you say setting the context, just so everyone's clear, this is something that really has to happen really early on and really quickly. And I'll give in a minute here my formula for how I do that and it's kind of evolved over the years. Um, but let me give just another example that serves as a really good metaphor. I, as I'm standing here talking, I've got a bottle, uh, a bottle of Fiji water in front of me. I thought you were going to say like tequila or Jaeger or something. <laughs> yeah. Next time, right? Whiskey, yeah. Oh my gosh, uh, that'd be a, that'd be an interesting experiment. So now I've got a bottle of Fiji, and anyone who's had Fiji water is familiar knows that uh, you're going to pay more money for Fiji than you would for. Uh, water that you, I might go down the hallway and get out of the water cooler or, you know, any other type of bottled water. And the interesting thing is, if, if I was to ask your audience the question, you know, why is it that we pay more money for the Fiji? Um, somebody might choose to debate and say, well, it's because it comes from an artesian well and it's never been touched by hand, by man, blah, 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 right? The truth is, we don't really know. I mean, we think that. And so I would ask, why do we think that? Where did you get that story? Well, where they got the story is in the packaging, right? So the context or the packaging when we communicate is what dictates and determines how people will view the content, right? So that's essentially what you said. And I always think of that metaphor because it reminds me to build a beautiful package so people value and view what I'm gonna present the right way. Um, I, do, I do have a little formula that I've used over the years. Uh, and I guess we could talk more about how to prepare so that you can execute the formula. But the formula is pretty simple. When I begin a presentation, especially with what I'd consider a colder audience, like I, you know, I didn't do any of this today because a lot of your audience, they've been with you and you, know, you did it pretty well. Um, but I would always do this if I'm in front of a brand new audience. Step one, how would be to um, typically acknowledge the audience. And I, I'll use different variations of these three or four steps. But when I say acknowledge the audience, what I mean by that is, is essentially make sure that they understand that I respect, appreciate, or value where they're coming from or what their world is like at this given moment, right? Sometimes I'll, I'll literally just say exactly that. Like, hey, 
thanks for being here. You could be somewhere else. Or the fact that you're not here means you're not off running your businesses or building value or with your friends, whatever it is. So I, I think it's important that people feel acknowledged. Uh, and in addition to that, that they feel understood. That's part of being acknowledged. I feel like if people don't feel like I understand them as a presenter, then they don't care how much I know, right? So that's what I mean by acknowledging, okay? And then the next thing that I think is important, Hal, is, and sometimes I'll change the order depending on the environment, but after I feel like they feel understood, then what I do is what's called earning the right. John, let me, is, let me, I wanna jump in really yeah. quick and interrupt you. Um, I want people to think about as we go through these steps that th this con I call this the context creation formula essentially. And again, I, you know, I learned it from you, but it, this is something that I want you to think about. This applies to every communication that you have. So if you're trying to convince your significant other to go to a movie, right? And you know, they want to go to one and you want to go to another, you got to start by acknowledging where they're coming from. And I, I know, sweetie, you want to go to this one. So just think about how this, this is a much broader appeal than just speaking in front of groups, again, individuals and whether it's professional or if you're trying to influence your, you know, your child or your friend or your wife or your husband to, to do something, uh, you know, uh, uh, that you want them to do. So just want to make that plug as people listen to the rest of your brilliant uh, tips. Go ahead. Well, yeah. I mean, if we want to drill into it further and if when we're running a full length training, like we got the one we're going to run in September, uh, we would teach how do you prepare? You need a checklist to really make sure that when acknowledging it's relevant to the audience. And so a lot of that has to do with psychology. What are their fears, concerns, desires, worries, dreams, aspirations, um, curiosities, skepticisms? Every audience is gonna have a certain shared experience coming into whatever the situation is, uh, and they're gonna have their own individual unique experiences. And the best presenters are ones that understand both levels. They understand what does everyone in this audience have in common, and what are some of the variances in how people arrived at this moment in time, right? Like literally, what has their experience been uh, today before I came up to communicate, or yesterday, or, or in their career? It's important to really ask these questions from as many angles as possible so that we can, like I said, kind of enter the world of uh, the audience, right? So yeah. that's how I acknowledge and kind of enter their world. Uh, the second step, Hal, is, um, is I earn the right. And the way I earn the right is I make sure that there's some way that I'm getting the point across that I'm qualified to actually be communicating or sharing or teaching with them. Now, again, let me restate. There's a lot of environments where I'm not, uh, I'm not utilizing that step. If I already have a relationship, it would be, it wouldn't make any sense, right? Um, it's the next step, Hal, would be to share with people what's in it for them, for them to continue listening to me, right? So I haven't even gotten into the stuff, but hey, here's why it's worth it for you to keep listening right now. And, and I think one key to this is to make sure that we're focused on the benefits of listening, not the features. So a simple example, if I'm talking to a group of five people, it could, it could be a local community meeting, it could be a sales team, it could be anything. Um, when I'm getting into here's what I'm about to do, a common mistake that I see people make is they say, let me walk you through the agenda and tell you what we're gonna cover. The problem with doing that is that as people become aware of what the agenda is or what the topics are, they will, uh, one at a time, they'll make a judgment and they'll say to themselves, I'm interested in that topic, I'm not interested. And they'll start kind of pre-tuning out. That's why 
when I'm covering the what's in it for you, I'm focused on the benefits, but I might not always be revealing how they're going to get those benefits, right? Mm -hmm. And then the last thing, Hal, and this is a big one, uh, the last one is what I call the rules. And the rules are like, let's say I've just made some big promises. Like, hey, us spending time together here today, here's what I expect you to get out of this. I've given them the what's in it for them. I've already acknowledged them. Um, when I cover the rules, I am, I'm making a request of them. Hey, for you to get the most out of this, here's what I'm going to suggest. Uh, and when I work with large audiences, it's things like, you know, be here mentally, have fun, be engaged, own your experience. Um, but that helps to set the tone for it's a two way agreement, right? Yeah. So that's, that's the formula. I don't use it exactly that way every time, but, uh, different pieces in different places. Yeah. And I think what it does is it makes someone right there ready to receive it. And one example to give in terms of Con how important context is versus content. You know, if you walked, if you if you started a conversation with somebody, you taught them a bunch of stuff, but you didn't take any time to create that context or uh, you know to prepare the message, the content. Then they, you know they they may go yeah you know they may literally go I I don't I don't know what that has to do with me right and then just completely ignore it. On the flip side, if you were to take you know let's say 80% of your message that you're trying to communicate, 80% and focusing on the steps that John just taught, acknowledging them, entering their world, you know, earning the right, explaining how this is going to benefit them, what's in it for them, establishing these rules, 80% of your message, if it did that, and especially with the what's in it for me part, right? You've got them salivating where they're like, just tell me, give me the, like, you just promised me how this is going to change my life. How will it change my life? What do I do? And if only 20% of your message was like, here's the one thing you need to do. Do this every day. You know, I'd say wake up early and, and <laughs> focus on yourself, right? Personal development. But do this one thing every day and it'll change your life. And if you focused more on the context than on the content, then the content is going to, the importance of it and the effectiveness of it is going to be amplified so many times over by the recipient of that content. So just, just to reinstate what you're talking about, John, and how important context is versus just content. I love it. And you did it on this call today, right? The way that you explained to folks how widely public speaking applies, that's an example of setting the context. Yeah, and I didn't I didn't think about it in advance. That's the thing too, right? When you you practice this over and over and over and you just it just kind of becomes your way of communicating without even uh, really thinking about it. Um, what John talk about what the difference is between speaking and training. For me, I'm much more of a speaker. Uh, and I, I literally brought you in to best your ever blueprint because you are a trainer and there is, there is a, there is a significant difference. So can you talk about what the difference is between speaking and training? Yeah. Yeah. I'd be happy to. Um, the, the big difference for me is, uh, it has a lot to do with the environment that I'm in and also really what's the outcome I'm trying to generate, right? So your audience might be familiar with the keynote speaking that you do, and maybe they've been in different environments where it's more of a facilitated training experience. Um, the, the simplest explanation for me, and this is just my view of it, is as a trainer, my goal is to create an experience so that somebody learns through experience Oftentimes, great public speakers, um, they, they very simply will just share a message. And because of the effectiveness of their storytelling or their ability to communicate, um, that will create a change for the audience. However, I have found that if I'm in an environment where I need people to develop a skill, where I, I, I really 
need to change a behavior, I have a much better chance of doing that. I, I don't consider myself a very good public speaker. I, I Neither do think, I. Keep going. Yeah, yeah. We agree on that. <laughs> um, I've got a better chance of creating behavioral change or teaching somebody a skill by having them actually experience it in that moment. So, uh, and that, that I could talk about endlessly because that's really what I've done. I, I haven't done as much public speaking as you. I mean, I... I stand for nine hours and I teach at a business school and someone might say, well, you're speaking the whole day, but if you sit in a class, 70% of the time, the participants are doing something so that they can uh, internalize the material. So on a high level, that's the difference. Again, it's not good, bad, better, worse. It's just a different experience that we're creating. Got it. Fantastic. So um, talk about the, I'd love your opinion and, I, and I'll, I'm happy to share mine. But uh, your opinion on what makes someone a great speaker? You know, what, what, are the, what, what makes them a great speaker? Is it, is it their confidence? Is it how funny they are? Is it their, you know, how well they move across the stage and use their hands for gestures? What do you, what do you think are, are the characteristics of, of a great speaker or, or trainer just as the individual and how they perform and how they come across? Yeah, that's a great question. Well, um, let me think about this. There's probably... I would, I would say for either a speaker or a trainer, I, I think one of the, the most important skill sets is, is empathy. And when I say empathy, meaning, and we talked about this a little earlier, but the ability to, to enter the world of those around us, the ability to understand what it's like to be somebody else. Hmm. I think that's, that's number one. And, and, and to do that at a level of depth and detail, right? To really understand. A great example is when someone who regularly communicates um, and maybe they're used to speaking uh, to accountants. I'm just making this up here, right? Well, mm -hmm. when they go and they speak to real estate agents, are they adept enough? Are they, are they empathizing enough to where they'll change all of their language so that the audience feels like they're understood? Mm -hmm. right? Uh, they'll use language that is industry specific. And that's kind of a superficial example. I think even more importantly, to be really effective, this skill of empathy is understanding the emotions of an audience. I think the most important skill of a leader is the ability to inspire, right? You could ask all your listeners, you know, what's it like to ha have worked with great leaders and shitty listen or shitty leaders? And they could, uh, they could tell us the answers. You know, you don't need all the decades of research. We've all seen it and it all boils down to, can somebody inspire somebody else? And I think that's a, a key skill for a speaker, but I think to be able to inspire, we've got to be able to empathize. I also think that a great speaker uh, has to have a level of self-awareness, which is connected to empathy, um, but they have to have enough self-awareness and, and ability to moderate their own emotions so that they can then uh, inspire those emotions in whoever they're speaking to, right? Because at the end of the day, an audience can only feel whatever we want them to feel in direct relation to how, how authentically do I feel that as the person speaking to them. Um, this is why I see sometimes folks struggle if they're trying to create, uh, they're trying to create an environment where there's humor. Well, you know, one, that's something you got to practice and test and it takes a, a skill. You have this skill, How I think much better than I do. You have the skill. You've developed it over the years. You've studied comedians. I know that. I've watched you do that. Sure. Um, but if you want people to feel lighthearted, I as the speaker have to feel lighthearted. If I want them to feel intensity, I have to feel that intensity. And 
the, I'll add to this, Hal, on self-awareness that I think it would really help speakers if as part of their preparation, they were to ask themselves, not just what are the behaviors I want to change, the actions I want to inspire, but what are the emotions I want to inspire in my audience? And when they rehearse whatever they're going to say, rehearse being in the state that we want the audience to be in when we deliver that message. And I should also uh, ask certain people in the audience before I present to, to afterwards tell me specifically, you know, how do you feel when I communicate? And is there anything that you would suggest I try differently in terms of the emotions that I communicate? So Hal, the, the, that's off the top of my head, the answer to your question. I think yeah. empathy, self-awareness. Um, for a trainer, it's, I would add to that a certain level of presence. A lot of speakers will speak and frankly, they don't need to be as present because a lot of times they're just giving the same speech. Mm. Uh, as a trainer, it's, it's, it's in reverse. I, I've never ever, I, there's nothing I say the same way twice. Um, and a lot of what I'm doing has everything to do with what's going on with the audience in that moment. So being aware of what's going on in the audience, uh, understanding the power of the present moment and being willing to adapt and to change based on what's happening in the present moment. That's a huge skill for trainers and it takes way more than this podcast for me to like get deep into that. But sure. That's a, those are a few. Yeah, and that is even for me as a speaker. Um, I mean, and I think you know this. Uh, my my presentation isn't scripted. It's different every time, and uh, and that presence is so important. You know, I probably learned that from you too. I don't know, but uh, it's I, I every I go up there. I I have a general idea of what I'm gonna you know I'm gonna tell this story. I'm gonna talk about the miracle morning, whatever. But I really just try to be so present that I read the audience, and and it's amazing when you're in that. When you are fully present, the sometimes the you know brilliance, if you will, that that almost flows through you from you know I don't know a higher power from the universe, God, something. But so often, and I know you've done this, where you say something in the middle of your you know training or your presentation, and you've never said it before in your life, and it was you know it was powerful, it was profound, it was perfect, it was what was needed in that moment, and it just it just came. Do you, I don't know if you can speak to that or or, or what, but just that that. You know, have you had that happen where the, the, the words come out of your mouth and you're like, where in the hell did that come from? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I have had that happen. Uh, although sometimes I have that happen and it's not in the positive. It's, uh, <laughs> it's <laughs> whoops. Yeah, I've done that sense. before. I actually, I dropped an F-bomb once in a speech and I was horrified and I had just taught the audience the can't change it philosophy minutes before. And uh, when I when I said the F word, I just I froze and uh, I was, you know, kind of stuttering. And this guy in the front row yells out, can't change it. Yo, pal, Hal!" And everybody goes, yeah, it was it was funny. But yeah. Um, yeah. Well, you're you're to me how reinforcing the importance for anybody who's communicating in front of a group. And keep in mind for your listeners, I mean, this stuff applies and Hal and I can debate this, but I would argue that being great at public speaking applies as a skill, maybe as much if not more than anything else that can impact our everyday lives. You have to think about it as an example, if you're giving a toast at a dinner, right? And so you may not have thought of that as a goal achievement topic. However, I would argue that uh, if, if you've ever given a toast and then when you were done, you thought, man, I missed a huge opportunity to create a certain feeling. Or if you've ever seen someone give a toast and think, wow, they just created a moment because of how exceptional they were, you start to realize the ability to communicate in front of a group of any size is really, really powerful. And I say all that because, Hal, your point of being present and having something great flow through us, 
Uh, one of the keys to doing that is not only being really well prepared, because the less prepared we are, the more we will start to be, we'll be insecure. And then because we're insecure, we'll focus on ourselves and not the audience. So being prepared is, is critically important. Beyond that, just reminding myself when I am facilitating a training, whether there's 500 or five people, reminding myself that this is about them. And I've got to not, not let it be about me. I've got to get out of the way. Mm. And uh, how important it is for me to know when I should not say something versus when I should. And that, that's where, again, in the training environment, knowing when not to add insight is really, really important. But it all comes back to being present to what's going on in that uh, given moment. Now, I know you, you have, I know you and uh, our other good friend, John Vroman, who was voted, you know, best speaker in America two years in a row. Uh, are, are, I know you're doing a training on this topic of, of public speaking. What uh, I, I want to share, I'm going to share my, you know, your three tips here were kind of the, uh, of a, a great speaker, empathy, ability to inspire and self-awareness or, and presence. Um, I've got a few thoughts on, on what to add to that, but before I do, uh, for anybody listening, if they want to go further, what, what is this, you know, take a minute to talk about this event. Uh, when is it, where is it, and how can people learn more? Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny. You're right. John Vroman and I are running this event and I'm sitting here thinking he should be the one doing this podcast. He's he's uh, 10 times the uh, public speaker that I am, especially just his level of experience. But he spoke at your best year ever event last year and um, it was life changing to say the least for everybody who was there. Uh, so this event we're running next month, September 15th through the 17th. Uh, if anyone's interested, they can check out speakertrainerexperience.com. And what John and I are looking to do in a nutshell, it's, um, it's quite different than a lot of these speaker trainings that are out there for two major reasons. One of them is uh, while we are going to spend a, a certain amount of time, maybe 20% of the time talking about building a speaking or training business, uh, and we are going to introduce some of our own opportunities there for some of the participants that we certify to join us uh, and some of the opportunities that we have. The bigger emphasis is going to be on the skill building and how the way we're going to run this event to be authentic is it's going to be an experiential learning event. So uh, from the minute folks step into the training until they leave, they'll be doing whatever it is we teach. And the way that we're going to uh, kind of separate the time is probably about 30 to 50% of the time is gonna be skill building purely on public speaking skills, storytelling, structuring messages, um, how to build an inventory and then know which types of stories or examples to use when and where, how to deliver them to get the greatest impact. And I know John's got uh, endless wisdom on this and he's really, really great at it. And then we're gonna spend the other half of the time focusing on teaching folks how to train and facilitate and we're going to teach folks the science of experiential learning and there there is an entire science behind it how people learn and then how to teach in a way that ensures that your audience has the um, the highest level of integrating and learning and internalizing what it is that we're teaching so it's going to be a ton of fun uh, we're limiting it to we're only going to guarantee 20 spots uh, in fact at the time that this podcast plays I don't know if any will be left. We just started, we just announced it the other day. We've filled a few spots in the last day. But uh, speakertrainerexperience.com, Hal, if, if they want to learn more about it. Very cool. And as I told you the other day, I'm just, I'm kicking myself. I can't make it and it's, uh, I'm, I'm really bummed. But uh, 
luckily I know you, so I'm gonna I'll pick your brain afterwards. Um, I, I just I want to wrap up with uh, my you know my three what what I feel like are important to be a great speaker. And there's three tips that I'm gonna just wrap up here with. Number one is vulnerability. Um, there's a great quote from Robin Sharma. He said that when you're vulnerable with people, they fall in love with you. And this for me became apparent. I can literally picture myself on the stage where it was pretty recent after my car accident. My brain damage was very strong. I was very insecure about forgetting my speech right in the middle. And right in the middle of my speech, sure enough, I forgot it. And I got, I got my, you know, I started sweating and my heart was racing and I was nervous. And in the moment, I just on my feet, I said, hey, I go, guys, this is a team effort. You know, I, I said, we're in this together. I don't know. I forgot what I was talking about. Anybody remember? And people started shouting out the answer, shouting out the answer. And finally, somebody got it. I said, thank you. And I picked back up. And there was just this sense of like team, just unity that the audience felt like this guy's not perfect. You know, I mean, he's he doesn't remember his speech. But but rather than that being a, a flaw or, or a negative in my speech, it was actually a positive. They felt connected to that. So giving up being perfect for being authentic. And I think so often we worry when it comes to communicating or public speaking, we're nervous that what if we mess up? What if we mess up or, or what if, you know, I've got, I've, I've tried to memorize this approach or this script and I, what if I don't say it right? Um, and, and a couple things is number one is the audience doesn't know what you were going to say. So whatever you say is, is perfect to them. And then when you admit your mistakes or you're messing up, people actually feel really connected to that because nobody, nobody's perfect. Um, so vulnerability, second tip uh, for being a great speaker is storytelling. You know, that's one of the most important skills when you tell a story, uh, it goes from the logical, skeptical part of the brain where people assess facts and it goes into the other part of the brain. And John, you could talk about probably the um, technical uh, scientific aspects of which parts of the brain are stimulated by stories. But essentially in, in, in layman's terms, right, the part of the brain that enjoys a story and then you're able to influence someone through that story without uh, you know them. It kind of turns off the skepticism that they have. And that's why so many great books that are parables, you know, that's how they influence someone in, and they embed these lessons within the story. So a great book, by the way, if you want to get better at storytelling, the first book I ever read on the topic that you know really stuck with me, it's called The Story Factor by Annette Simmons. Uh, and there may be better books out there. You know, if you want to just go to Amazon and type, type in storytelling, um, you know, you, you can see if there's any other books that have you know better reviews or uh, are more uh, relative to what you want to learn. And then the last tip I'll give, so vulnerability, storytelling, and then entertaining. The ability to entertain, and, and John, you mentioned this earlier, but I, I, went, to a, uh, I went to a seminar, and uh, this was a few years ago, and I, I just noticed myself at parts of the seminar. I loved the speaker, I loved the content, but we were in there all day, and I noticed that at parts, I would just completely tune out and not even hear what he was saying for you know 10 minutes, and then I'd tune back in and go, oh gosh, what did he say? And I just realized that he wasn't keeping my attention. And then a few days later, I went to a, a stand-up comedy show, and it was like four hours long. And I realized there wasn't a moment, there literally was not a moment in four hours where I wasn't totally on the edge of my seat for what the speaker was or the comedian was going to say next. And from that moment forward, it was this realization that the way that stand-up comedians deliver their content is very different from most speakers. And at that moment, I said, I'm going to stop studying speakers for the most part, or at least I'm going to heavily weigh my learning and my modeling over comedians. And I literally set my DVR every day to record uh, you know, Comedy Central stand-up comedy. And every single day at 
at lunch, uh, I watched that for, I did that for, you know, probably two years and, and I started implementing that into my speaking. And so even if you don't want to be super funny, um, just the way that they structure, the way they set up their stories and in, whether it's a joke or a story, it keeps you engaged. So I encourage you, uh, you know, if you want to be a great speaker, study not just speakers, but study stand-up comedians and, and model what they do. So those are my, so John's three tips, just to summarize, uh, empathy, the ability to inspire and self-awareness, uh, which, which leads into presence. And then uh, my tips were vulnerability, being vulnerable, storytelling, and entertaining, being uh, an entertainer when you're up there performing. There was a book that I read called Light Yourself. It was Light Yourself on Fire or something when you're on stage and let people watch you burn, right? People will watch you. You had to go up there, be dynamic, being vulnerable, letting yourself out there uh, and making sure that this is an experience, that they get to have an experience, not just sit and listen to a speaker. Um, John, any final thoughts, comments, questions, concerns, compliments? Yeah, yeah, I've got all of those. Uh, <laughs> yeah, oh, I forgot to mention, we do have six or seven free videos. They're meant to preview our training, but we give away what we consider to be a couple good ideas. So if people go to speakertrainerexperience.com, I think there's six or seven at this point, free videos people can check out. I haven't no. even watched those. I'm going to go, I'm gonna, when we hang up, I'm going to go look at those right now. So, well, hey, John, thank you for your time today again, buddy. I always have a lot of fun doing the, uh, the podcast with you. Uh, yeah, love it, buddy. Take and care. The, and the last episode we recorded, I, I made the threat that it was our last one. And uh, I, look, I didn't follow through with that threat. I know. I can't believe it. You brought me uh, no. back. All right. Maybe the, this, the last one's got to be coming sooner than later. Uh, I'll, see, I, I'll see you in four days, buddy. Yeah. Yeah. We're running our Quantum Leap Mastermind uh, two-day retreat next week. I'm excited. Achieve Your Goals podcast listeners, thank you for tuning in to another episode. I hope you got uh, you know a tip or two or three that you can implement into your life, into your world to help you achieve your goals because the goals that you set, wake up every day, work towards them because you deserve nothing less. And I appreciate you. I appreciate your time, your energy, and your attention. And I will catch you next week on the Achieve Your Goals podcast. Take care, everybody. And thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the podcast. So now we want to know what were your big takeaways from this episode with Hal and John. Let us know by heading on over to halelrod.com slash 083 for episode number 83 and leaving a comment there on the show notes page. You can also send Hal and John a message on Facebook or Twitter, letting them know what your big takeaways were. Also, if you haven't done so yet, please go subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and leave a rating and review. This is really the best way for you to show your appreciation for the show by letting others know what you like about it and what you appreciate about this because this helps spread the word and helps other people realize if this is the show for them. So thank you so much. And until next week, it's time for you to go out there, take action, and achieve your goals.
If you're looking to grow your business using podcasting, but don't have the time to edit the audio, insert the intro and outro, write up the show notes, post the episode to all the different sites, and do all of the ridiculous back-end work that's required, then you need yourpodcastguru.com, where you bring the content and we take care of the rest. We'll even co-host the show for you. Visit yourpodcastguru.com right now to explode your audience and crush it in the podcasting world.